Hello again. This is Digging for Something, and I am your host, JJ. So, I'm one of those people that when I go to sleep, I have to have the TV on. I, I, I don't know if I need the noise or just I'm so used to it, but I find it easier to fall asleep uh, with the TV on. And probably because if, if I didn't have the TV on, my mind would just go crazy uh, and I would never be able to fall asleep. Um, usually, I... I put on something that I've even seen before or something that's not very exciting uh, so it doesn't keep me up and I can fall asleep to it. Uh, typically something with commercials too because then if I'm paying attention, a commercial comes, I can close my eyes and give me about five minutes to try to fall asleep. Um, but last night, uh, and, and I'm also not a person who goes to sleep very early. I'll usually go to sleep, uh, especially nowadays, no, no earlier than one o'clock. So last night I was in bed I was ready to put something on, but it was still too early and um, I wasn't that tired. I uh, probably took a nap earlier in the day. So I went looking for a movie that I might want to watch. Of course, free movies on, on demand. So uh, there was a movie under crime category called Abducted. And the plot sounded good. Uh, it was about a it was supposed to be about a military guy whose daughter was kidnapped and uh, and basically did everything he can to get her back. So the uh, plot sounded pretty good. Now, the only person I knew in the movie was the female lead, uh, detective Scout Taylor Compton. I'm going to be completely honest. I don't know how I know of her, maybe because her name is unique, so it kind of sticks out. But I, I, if you ask me what else she's been in, I couldn't tell you. But the name was familiar. Uh, everybody else in the movie, never heard of them. And to be also completely honest, the male lead, I thought it was a very bad casting. Um, not to say he's a bad actor, I've never seen him in anything else, so I really don't know. But just for the role itself, it didn't seem like a good fit. Just physically and, I guess, delivering the lines and uh, to kind of make a believable character kind of to be with him, you know? So so your team, uh, I forgot whatever his name is. So I didn't, I, I didn't think it was a good casting, but, you know, that's something I didn't know until uh, the movie went on. Now... Uh, most movies are are predictable, um, and I don't mind predictable. Predictable is pretty good. Um, you know, there, there's been in some instances where a movie kind of goes a direction where you're like, "Whoa, I did not see that one coming." Um, kind of like uh, The Departed with Leonardo DiCaprio, Jack Nicholson. Um, uh, Mark Wahlberg, Matt Damon. Uh, yeah, the ending didn't see that coming, um, but it didn't ruin the movie at all. Uh, but predictable, 
well, once again, I like Hallmark movies and nothing is as predictable as those. So within about the first 20 minutes, I pretty much knew um, the girl who got kidnapped, the connection, which was the guy's, the lead actor's brother's husband. So it was a gay couple. Um, and while he was off, it, well, the, the lead actor, his his wife had passed away and uh, his brother and his brother's husband uh, would watch him while he was away for work. So pretty much I knew something about the brother's husband, whether it was something he got caught up into or something about uh, something he found out at his job kind of led to it. And spoiler alert, in the end, yeah, that's what it was. Um, but it's okay. I, I was fine with that. Um, one of the things that I found odd was when you read the the description, and once again, it's just a short description on, on demand, uh, you, you thought that he was going to find his daughter, kind of like the movie Taken. You know, Liam Neeson character, he, he, he did whatever he could to find his daughter, and he did. So you thought the lead actor would do it. But once again, spoiler alert, it wasn't him. Though he did wind up killing two pedophiles, you know, no big loss, and uh, got in some fights and did some illegal activity. Um, but he, didn't, he wasn't even who found his daughter. And it was the detective who finally found her. So it was kind of like weird. So he, he went on this destructive, violent um, adventure, but he was the one who found her. So it was like, okay, what was the purpose of all that? Um, you know, once again, wasn't you know, the worst part of the movie. The absolutely worst part of the movie and... Believe me, I like music. I think music in movies are is very important. Helps set the mood. Um, it kind of adds an audio aid to what you're watching. Um, it, it can really help it with the emotions that uh, you get while while watching a movie. But this movie was like a freaking musical. Like every like a score had to play throughout. Every single scene. I'm like, how much music can you play? It was just too much and too loud. And I was like, did anybody, you know, during editing or something, watch this to say, hey, dude, there's a little too much music, or let's lower the music or cut some of the music. But it's just like, you would think the people who made it were actually musicians who were trying to use the movie for their music. It was. It was the most annoying thing. And the funny thing about it, I'm like, okay, maybe it's just me. Uh, so I go to IMDb today, and I saw at least 10 comments <laughs> referencing that. And it was so distracting and so noticeable where it, it didn't add to the movie. It actually detracted from the movie. And that was probably the most annoying part of the movie. And actually, the most annoying part was it was just decent enough to keep me awake where I would have rather fallen asleep halfway through the movie. But live and learn. Uh, maybe I'll go to IMDb before I uh, I choose my uh, next movie. Um, so what am I going to talk about today? Well, I'm going to tackle uh, a couple topics and then I'm going. I'm, the last segment's going to be a little uh, thing that I call Cool or Not Cool, which... 
basically is topic sink or cool or not cool. Um, and it's kind of a bit I stole from somebody else, but um, it is what it is. Everybody steals from everybody. That's just the way it works. Uh, so right now we have Hurricane Hurricane Isais. Isais. And it's, uh, it's kind of hovering over the Bahamas and it's going to be uh, impacting Florida starting today, which is Saturday. And uh, now the first thing I have to say is who came up with the name? And I have a, a Latin uh, heritage. Uh, so, you know, I understand Latin names, but even this one, I'm like, <laughs> if they want to put a Latin name, a Spanish name, something where people don't look at it and say, what? It's Isaias. It, it, Isaias. Isaias, I think it is. Isaias. And I don't know who wanted to be creative, and I'm thinking to myself, um, you know, those uh, those people in the country who are not very open-minded and pretty much hate everybody but themselves, I can imagine what they're saying about the name and, and how how this country's been ruined by Spanish people. <laughs> so uh, those those country folks, the uh, you know the supremacists, the uh, the people who really don't like the diversity, I can imagine. Uh, and even though Florida, you think is kind of like a melting pot, and it it really is. South Florida is a true melting pot. There's um, so many different. Uh, countries represented, and um, I don't know if this is still true or if it's kind of changed a little bit, but I want to say probably less than 10 years ago, I looked it up in Miami-Dade County, which is uh, the county where obviously Miami is located. Um, in South Florida, you have Dade, Miami-Dade, Broward, and Palm Beach County, but that Miami-Dade County was the only county in the country where not only the majority of the people were not born in that county, the majority of the people were not born in this country. So 51, and this was at the time, um, I haven't really looked at it since then, uh, 51% of the documented population was not born in the United States. Um, so yeah, Florida is, many parts of Florida is diverse and uh, a melting pot, Tampa, Orlando, um, you know, if you want to go a little further north, but if you get away from the big cities, <laughs> a lot of Florida is a country. It's it's really southern, um, and what you'll find in you know Georgia and Alabama. So not all of Florida is kind of like what you see in the news. So I can imagine what they're thinking about uh, Hurricane Isa Is whatever her name is. Even me, with my Cuban heritage, I have a problem pronouncing it. So uh, on Saturday, uh, Florida is going to feel some effects to it. Uh, it doesn't look like it's going to be a direct hit anywhere in Florida. It's kind of the models have it skimming the the state and then heading north and northeast, uh, kind of skim, you know, skimming the country. And the weak side of the storm will be the one that's uh, that will be hitting the the, the actual state. Um, it, right now it's a category one and <sighs> hurricanes, they're, they're nothing to joke about. Uh, I've, I've lived through a couple of them, uh, a co- 
so, a couple of really bad ones. And, um, yeah, they can definitely be destructive. And even though Florida, you would think it's hit by many hurricanes, it really doesn't. Uh, direct hits, uh, maybe 10 in the last 20 years, if that. So, but it, it's always, the risk is always there. And the thing about, the thing about it, even though um, Floridians kind of know the risk is there, there's, there's always a paranoia, especially you, you, you watch the news and, oh, the weatherman, you're gonna, the, the end of the earth, earth is coming, the end of the world is coming. So it leads to so much paranoia. And the funny thing about it is, even though there's always so much paranoia, nobody's really prepared. Uh, so today, I haven't really followed the hurricane that much just because when you watch it every day, it's... It changes so much, it's not even worth it. When it's a few days out, that's when I pay attention. So today I was looking, I'm like, oh, it's time to get gas. And I was so worried uh, because usually when a storm, when we're under a warning or a watch, that's where everybody goes to the gas station uh, to top off or, uh, or fill up their little containers. Um, and the thing about it is I needed gas, so I was hoping because uh, I have been, I have been there where I've had to wait an hour to get gas. It's it's not fun, um, but luckily when I was able to get to the gas station before any rush came, and who knows whether it will or won't. It's not really a very strong storm, so uh, even though it's a hurricane, it's right now only a Category One. But usually, uh, um, people go to the grocery store to get food and water, and I have. I have 10 cases of water here, and if it's not because of uh, of being prepared, it's just probably me being cheap. When the water I drink is on sale, I buy it. So if it's three for $10, I buy it, because uh, normally the case is over $4. Um, so I, anytime it's on sale, I buy it. So I, have, I always have plenty of water. I never have to worry about them food. Uh, most of the time, it's just me and... Uh, I have enough food to get by, so uh, there, there's nothing that I, I'm pressed to get except gas today. So um, we'll see how, what happens with this storm. Uh, we have, you know, still some hours before we know exactly if it's going to hit, what it's going to hit, um, how severe it's going to be. Uh, hopefully it'll keep in the path and um, there'll be minimal um minimal kind of contact with land uh with the with the with the strong part of the storm um and if the eye is capped off the coast i think most of the state will just be will just be experiencing uh tropical storm winds or maybe some gusts um, but uh nothing that most people have experienced you haven't experienced before. So uh, let's hope it doesn't strengthen and kind of keeps the path. Or if it starts deviating more and more east, that's even better. Um, but uh, hopefully everybody will stay safe and and uh, there won't be a mass paranoia. And uh, we won't be running out of toilet paper again. <laughs> um, what else? So the infamous, and I don't even know if I'm going to pronounce her name right, 
Ghislaine Maxwell, who was the associate, the girlfriend, who knows what she was to Jeffrey Epstein. Um, she was arrested a few weeks ago, and um, there seems to be evidence against her as far as her role in the disgusting acts committed by Jeffrey Epstein. Um, of course, she claims her innocence, um, states that uh, she didn't know what what uh, he was doing, and um, and basically pleading ignorance. Um, but Thursday was a big day. Uh, I don't know if it was overhyped or what, but uh, documents from, I guess, the civil case that was brought against Epstein uh, that I'm, I'm not sure if she was a part of it or not, but documents from that case, it was ruled needed to be uh, disclosed and released. And so there were many, many documents released. The only things that were not released were a couple depositions that, that were held back due to them being under appeal. So even though a judge ruled all the documents can be released, those specific were appealed by Gislaine's Maxwell's attorney. And she wants them <laughs> held. Uh, there, there probably has some some stuff in there she's not happy about or, or embarrassing or can get herself in trouble. Um, but I think there was a lot of kind of hype that, oh, here's some smoking guns. Here's some, uh, the cover's going to be blown off. All the other people that um, have been named, there's going to be evidence and things like that. But really, the the documents themselves were, there really wasn't anything new. Now, there were some emails released, emails between Epstein and Maxwell. Um, I can't say exactly what was released because there hasn't been much detail. And... My assumption is there hasn't been much detail because there isn't really much to it. There is no smoking gun or or uh, TMZ type of type of information that can that's that's that was let out. But there were emails. Um, now the emails themselves this is something that definitely can get her in trouble i don't know if it's perjury or something like that uh or as some people can say is i misremembered but she had stated that she had not had any contact with jeffrey epstein in like 10 years um however in 2015 there were emails going back and forth uh, between Jeffrey Epstein and Ghislaine Maxwell. Um, we're not talking about you know hundreds of emails, but there were still email correspondence um, between the two. So obviously right there, uh, that is 
that is something that can, you know, open other doors. Um, what else is she lying about? You know, things like that. So that is, that is definitely something that, you know, puts the magnifying glass on her even more. But what else there's there? Who knows? But what's interesting is in one of the emails, uh, Jeffrey Epstein wrote to her and, and, and stated that she did nothing wrong um, to live your life, go out, go parties, things of that nature. So she doesn't give a perception of hiding and being guilty of something to go ahead and live your life. Oh, what's funny is Jeffrey Epstein, this is not somebody with high moral character. So if when he said she did nothing wrong, who knows what he meant? It, you know, he thought he was, he probably thought he wasn't doing anything wrong. So if he didn't think he was doing anything wrong, if she had any role in it, he would, he would say she wasn't doing anything wrong either. Um, you know, obviously it's one thing to, to do something wrong. It's another thing to know what you're doing is wrong. Many times if somebody is robbing somebody by gunpoint, they know they're doing something wrong, but they're doing it anyway. So even though Jeffrey Epstein is not the, was not a person that anybody should hold in high esteem, um, I'm sure he knew what he was doing was wrong. Uh, he might have justified it somehow, but I'm sure some somewhere in him he knew it was wrong. Um, just like most pedophiles, they know what they're doing is wrong. They just can't help themselves. They have no willpower. Um, or that's that's the excuse they give. Uh, we all, I mean, if you see, if you're at a bank and you see that door open and you, you, you can just visualize yourself sticking your hand through and grabbing it and running out. Yeah, you might be urged because, have an urge because there's money, but you know it's, it's wrong. So, but because people could control it. It's whether you want to control yourself from doing something stupid or not. Um, those who don't want to control it, they say they can. Um, but I think most behavior in can be controlled some way or some way or another if you wanted to. Um, but either way, before I kind of start talking and making it seem like I'm, I'm making excuses for people, I definitely don't want to do that. I don't want to, uh, that is not my intention at all. Um, but who, who knows what he meant by she did nothing wrong. Um, you know, if, if she is guilty, I, she should be penalized. Um, but if she's not, maybe she was ignorant. Maybe she was naive. Um, hopefully she's not being used as a scapegoat either. Uh, and, and we know that happens. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm okay with, with the justice system going after her. I uh, just want to make sure that they're going after her because she deserves it. Not just because Jeffrey Epstein killed himself. So they need somebody else to go after um, who knows what will happen uh, with those depositions. Maybe they will be released. Maybe they won't. Uh, we shall see. If they are released, 
maybe there is a smoking gun there. Maybe, maybe people are afraid. Um, I mean, we, we've heard the names, um, you know, Prince Andrew, uh, Bill Clinton, Donald Trump, uh, to, as far as the extent, I, I think of the three, the one who probably had the, the, the worst information or, or worst experiences disclosed were, uh, Bill Clinton, cause he was on the plane, whether he, made it to the private island or not, I'm not really sure, but uh, you know, Donald Trump, even though some people have, oh, Donald Trump is involved, yeah, he, he, there's a couple of pictures, that's it. There's there's no evidence he was ever on the plane, ever been in the island. Um, you know, Prince Andrew, the, the lawsuit um, that was brought by, I believe her name was Victoria Goofrey, um, obviously made some allegations against him, which he has denied. Um, and there, there's other people that are maybe scared or maybe worried that their name might get put in there just because uh, it might be sexy to throw their name in there. Um, it might you know, be put more juice into stories. Um, but we'll see. We'll see what happens with those depositions. Uh, if they are released, if they are released, We'll see what you wanted to keep hidden. And uh, maybe maybe it'll be a big letdown like these other documents. And who knows? Maybe there's more in those documents. It's just they're being analyzed with a fine-tooth comb to make sure nothing subtle uh, gets overlooked. And uh, maybe we'll find out more. Um, but as of right now, there isn't that much. Uh, and we'll see where this case goes. Um, and as far as the civil case, I'm starting to wonder how much information in there is true. We have one person's account who has dropped names and she is the alleged victim. Um, now I believe she is a victim. Uh, I just hope that she is not fabricating or exaggerating other parts of her story. Um, and it happens. It really does happen. Um, one, she does that, it'll ruin the rest of her case and kill her credibility. So I, I do feel that Jeffrey Epstein did victimize her. Uh, and I hope she doesn't, <laughs> she doesn't do a Trump thing and, and shoot herself in the foot. Um, but if things that she says is true, yeah, there, there's a lot of people who are going to be worried. Um, but once again, it's, it's one person saying it. We'll see what the evidence says. Uh, and, you know, unfortunately, well, fortunately and unfortunately, uh, fortunately, Jeffrey Epstein is dead and no longer will abuse or victimize anybody. It's un unfortunately he's dead because he died too soon. Uh, he should have he should have faced these charges, answered these charges, and then died. I have no problem if he killed himself or somebody killed him. I don't care. Uh, he didn't deserve to live. Uh, he's not a person of any substance other than he made a lot of money. 
Um, the the world is better without him. It was just a couple years too soon. Um, I mean, we, we know pedophiles don't don't do very well in prison. <laughs> there, that's that's the the one charge that is not only frowned upon. I mean, you're, you're asking for a beaten in prison, and people will just turn a blind eye. Um, speaking of prison, the one of the um, the bomb the Boston Marathon bombers. There were two brothers who were who were I guess one was one was killed in a in a shootout with police. The other brother, the younger brother, who was probably um, the definitely not the ringleader. Um, he was probably the submissive one who was easily influenced by his brother. He was originally sentenced to death and the sentence was overturned on appeal. I don't know what's going to happen, um, but uh, let me see if I can pronounce his name correctly. The Hokar Surnaev. Um, I don't, I probably am not uh, pronouncing it correctly, but he was sentenced to death and I know a lot of the death penalty is something that's a polarizing topic. And I will say I, 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 I am for the death penalty. I'm not for it in every instance. Um, I, in shaky cases, definitely not. Um, you know, for, for bombings, for terrorism, absolutely. Now, I, this is a guy, I don't care how young he was. Uh, he, because of his actions, three people died. Uh, almost 300 were injured, some some badly injured. Uh, their goal was to kill a lot more. Just because they only killed three, it doesn't minimize what the actual goal was. So it's annoying. I understand the, the system allows for appeals and things like that. Um, but this is not somebody that anybody should be spending time trying to assist and let him meet his fate. He made his bed. He had a lie in it, dude. Um, it, uh, uh, it, it, and it, it makes no difference to me where he's from. Um, just like Timothy McVeigh, the Oklahoma City bomber, served to die as well. Um, because you're, we are, we have free speech, freedom of expression, things like that. But just because things don't go your way or you, or you don't agree with something that's being done to kill, to prove a point, no. 
if uh, if you have no regard to other people's lives, and no, we're not talking about gangs or or deviants or just miserable human beings that are targeted. Yeah, some people might not be liked, but they didn't deserve to die. There were mo- most of these people are innocent people. I remember in Oklahoma City, uh, there was a daycare in that building. Kids died. I, I remember a firefighter holding the, the a dead child's body, walking. Um, people like that, they don't deserve to live. And I really hope our court system doesn't waste time and resources for this person who lost his right to anything the, the minute he decided he wanted to execute this plan. So uh, one day he'll be executed himself. I have, I'm not going to shed any tear. I shed tears for the people who died, who didn't have to die. And uh, we need fewer people like this in the world. Um, you know, death penalty is created to be a deterrent and not a punishment. But yeah, sometimes we punish our kids. <laughs> we put them in timeout. We take away toys. We punish them for things they did. So this is just a punishment. Suck it up. Accept it. This was your choice. Accept and move on, as I've said before. Uh, that's what I tell. I should tell him. Accept and move on. If you're listening, buddy. Well, not buddy. If you're listening, accept and move on. That's your fate, dude. You created you. You created your fate when you did what you did. So, uh, enough with that. Probably getting a little too political here. Um, once again, death penalty is a very polarizing topic. And people who are against it, that's their right. Uh, I don't think any less of them. Uh, I respect that's how they feel. Um, the beauty of this country, you can, you can disagree. And fine. You can shake hands, agree to disagree, and move on. And go grab a beer. Um, preferably a porter or a stout beer. Uh, that, that's what I like. I like the darker beers. But anyway, now we're going to go into cool and not cool. And once again, this is not this is not something that I created. Um, I'm biting it off somebody else. Uh, they just use they use different words, but I thought it was a, a pardon my pun a pretty cool thing to do, and uh, figured let's give it a shot. Let's see how it goes, and and uh, maybe it'll go well, or maybe it won't. Uh, but unless we try, never know. So here we go. Cool, not cool. Cool. Well, cool. John Lewis, the longstanding congressman, passed away, and his funeral, his uh, memorials and his funerals were in his funeral was this week, and it was cool to see, you know, bipartisan representation there. Um, obviously, because of COVID, um, not everybody. I mean, many Democrats could not attend. Uh, just because of sheer numbers, and uh, I'm sure more Republicans would have attended. There were some uh, Republicans from Georgia, Alabama, uh, who attended the funeral. Uh, this is somebody who has you know, been a pro- proponent and fought for civil rights um, throughout his tenure in the in Congress. Um, so agree with him or not agree with him, 
he was fighting for what he believed in what, and what he believed for his constituents. So he did pass away and, uh, and uh, three presidents or three previous presidents, Bill Clinton, George Bush, and, and, uh, and, the, and Barack Obama were in attendance and they all gave eulogies. Um, and it's good kind of seeing you know, all three, it wasn't just the Democratic presidents, the Republican president, George Bush, um, gave a eulogy as well. So that's cool to see that. Uh, and the funny thing is, I think the Bush family has a friendlier relationship with the Obamas than the Clintons do. Uh, I think uh, George George W. Bush and uh, Michelle Obama kind of have uh, a nice little friendship there. And uh, I think it's always because of there was in many events together and um, so the way it's seated, so you kind of start up some small talk. So I actually think they're friendlier um, than uh, with uh, the Bushes and the Obamas are friendlier than the Clintons. So that's pretty cool to see. Uh, not cool. The politicizing of the death and the funeral. Um, Barack Obama, I think is a very good speaker. Uh, Personally, I like him. I did not like invoking politics into the eulogy. Uh, I think that, and even though he didn't speak uh, about a particular, he didn't mention the name, everybody knew who he was referencing um, when he spoke. And that that's just the wrong time. Uh, this is a time to to kind of reflect on, on the person who died and not any pol current political climate to be discussed. And I just think the wrong place, wrong time. Um, I think Barack, Barack Obama, President Barack Obama, um, most of the time he gets it right. I just think this time he was wrong. Uh, and then also not cool, uh, Donald Trump skipping did not go to any of the memorials or the funerals. Now, it's not nothing new for him. Uh, and I've said it before. It's one of his faults, very thin skinned, holds a grudge. Um, but agree or, or disagree. Um, you know, John Lewis is somebody who was very critical of George W. Bush, but George W. Bush still even though he's hasn't been in that office for 15 years, he still made it to the funeral. He still spoke at the funeral, put everything aside uh, to pay his respects. Uh, Donald Trump is not somebody who does that. And, and he's very stubborn and uh, he's not going to, one of the things people like about him, he's not going to do things just for show, but especially in this time, uh, this, cl this climate, this political climate, it probably would have been a good thing, at least politically, even though it might not have been him, but it would have been good for him uh, to help, I guess, unify the country, unify all uh, the different races and cultures and nationalities if he would have attended instead of it becoming well, a distraction. So that is not cool. Uh, cool. The thought of putting, instead of names on the back of NBA jerseys, uh, having sayings or words or terms 
um, from a list of 29. Uh, this was something cool that the NBA thought of, um, kind of doing their part uh, for players to take up a certain cause or a certain saying um, and putting it on the back of their jersey to to you know put it out there for people to see uh, to keep things in people's minds um, so it was cool the idea itself was cool not cool the sayings and the terms on the back of the jerseys uh, sometimes when you're when you were um, conceptualizing things, it sounds great, but in practice, it just doesn't work. Honestly, I think it was more distracting than anything. It was confusing, especially some of the players that you really, you know, I mean, the games just started up again after months off. Uh, it's hard. It's more confusing. And, and sometimes you, uh, like Zion Williamson, <laughs> on the back of his jersey was peace. And you're like, Meta World Peace is playing again. Uh, for those of you who doesn't who don't know who uh, Meta World Peace is, his real name was actually Ron Artest. Um, he played in I guess the early two thousands. Uh, I think for Indiana, for I want to say Chicago. Uh, he played for the Lakers. Um, his real name was Ron Artest, but he changed his name to Meta World Peace. So you see peace on somebody's jersey and it kind of throws you. Um, and it just, I, I think it, it created more confusion and distraction than anything else. So that was not cool. Uh, cool. Uh, Andre Iguodala from the Miami Heat. Um, it was cool. He was watching a WNBA game and uh, gave a shout out to uh, number 23 of the Washington uh, Mystics who was playing very well and had a lot of a lot of skill and was very impressive. So it was cool that he gave a shout out. Not cool. Could not take the time to, Andre Godala could not take the time to find out what her name was. He just referenced number 23. Not cool. It, it, it takes 10 seconds to find out who it is. And uh, hopefully I pronounced her first name correct. Ariel Powers. Uh, well, she's not a household name. If you like her game, uh, go go take the next step. Find out who is. Um, have enough respect, or or give her additional respect to 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 actually address her by name. Um, I'm somebody who, whenever I send an email, um, I I like to know who I address it to. I don't address it to a person's title. Um, I like to address them personally. I think it's very respectful. So, uh, and we know male professional athletes have the biggest egos and take things so personally. So, not cool, Andrea Godala. Take the next step. Find out what her name is and give her a shout out by her name. Uh, cool. Baseball is back. It started up. Um, it's the 60-game season. Um, I watched a few games on TV, even though there's no fans, there's, uh, <laughs> cardboard cutouts that uh, are put, placed into seats and, uh, there's a little bit of ambient noise. So cool baseball is back. At first I thought it was going to be distracting or funny, those cardboard cutouts. Uh, but really it, it's, it's not that noticeably fake. 
So <clears throat> it does uh, add a little to the atmosphere. So um, at first when I kind of laughed at the idea, <laughs> it's, uh, it's, it wasn't too bad. So it's cool baseball's back. Uh, Houston Astros have to now have to face the music of what they did. <clears throat> and anybody who doesn't know, the Houston Astros won the World Series, uh, I believe, in 2017. And they were snitched on and they cheated. Uh, they used video. They used cameras. They had a system of, of hitting garbage cans to let a batter know what pitch is coming. So, and even though there's always that fine line of, of uh, competitiveness and cheating, uh, this was obviously over the top. Um, and they have to face the music, then they already start. Uh, they're just lucky the fans aren't there. Because uh, if fans were there, they would never hear the end of it. Uh, but it's cool baseball is back. Not cool. COVID in baseball. The Miami Marlins had, I want to say, close to 20 players test positive for COVID. And it affected, obviously, their games. It affected the games for at the stadium they were playing. They were playing at Philadelphia when the test started coming back positive, even though the series was over. The series for the Philadelphia Phillies, the next series with, I want to say, was with the Yankees, were postponed as well because, obviously, that clubhouse was was contaminated. Um, so, not cool. COVID came into baseball. Uh, and, hopefully, it wasn't a Lou Williams type of thing. And I referenced Lou Williams, the basketball player for the Los Angeles Clippers, who, went, who left the NBA bubble and went to a strip club. I tried to justify it, but sorry, can't justify it, dude. Uh, hopefully it wasn't a Miami Marlins player who was young and dumb, went somewhere he shouldn't have, didn't take precautions, and infected so many and um, putting a damper on baseball. So not cool. And also uh, it was another team had a few positive cases as well. And baseball is a little different than, than um, basketball and hockey, which are in bubbles. Um, baseball is actually being played at each team's home park, and so there's travel. Um, now, I'm sure they have protocols in place, and hopefully people take them seriously and follow the rules, because it would be definitely not cool if baseball has to cut the season short because, uh, because of irresponsible players contracting COVID and spreading. Cool. Mackenzie Scott. This is the ex-wife of Jeff Bezos, the, I guess, the owner of uh, Amazon. She she pledged to give um, almost two billion dollars to charities, uh, and she started this year. Uh, recently, she gave eight historically black colleges. HBC is kind of what they're known for. Historically, black college, um, historical, historic, historic black college. And she donated millions, I think, between the eight colleges. Uh, I want to say it was between 20 and 40 million. Uh, each school did not get it the same amount. I don't know what really was the thought process of why one school would have gotten 20 million and another school would have gotten 40 million. It could have been 
um, enrollment numbers, but uh, she she gave each of those schools at least $20 million, uh, and, and it's a no-strings-attached donation. So she doesn't need a building named after her, or a stadium named after her, a field named after her. It's just a donation uh, to each school uh, to do what they need to improve the education uh, for minorities. So it's cool that uh, she gave that gift. Uh, there's, I believe there's 81 different causes or foundations she donated, uh, I think $1.7 billion to. So cool that she not only donating the money, but divvying it up to many good causes. Um, uh, some are minority-based causes, uh, LGBTQ, LGBTQ causes, um, civil rights causes. So 81 different foundations or charities or organizations uh, received monies totaling $1.7 billion. So very cool, Mackenzie Scott. Not cool. Those who criticize the donations. That is the most annoying thing. It is not cool. Yes, she's a billionaire. Yes, she has a hell of a lot more money. No, who you cannot criticize saying it's either not enough or it's it's money that was made off somebody else's back. No, it's still money that belongs to her. Not cool to criticize somebody donating money. Don't tell me it's a tax write-off. Don't tell me it's for publicity. Don't tell me any of this because... At the end of the day, she did not have to donate it. And what's funny is those who probably criticize the most give the least as well. Uh, I always find it funny whenever something happens and uh, whether it's a natural disaster or um, a terrorist attack or or things that uh, take place, any kind of tragedy, and people, companies start donating money. And you always hear, oh, this person only donated that much? This company only donated that much? Like, appreciate any donation. I don't care who you are. Anybody who donates a dollar or donates a minute, that's something they don't have to do. Uh, If $1.7 billion is not enough for you, it doesn't matter that she could be worth $50 billion. That's almost 2% of her net worth. Not everybody is giving up 2% of their net worth to donate money. So if somebody makes $10,000 a year, they would have to donate $200 to equal what she did. Now, I know a lot of people, and... A lot of people who don't, who make five times as much as that, who don't make two hundred dollars in donations a year, so should not criticize anybody's good deed. That's just wrong. Appreciate it. You don't have to put the the person on the pedestal, Um, but don't always look at as as there's an ulterior motive and 
or the, it's a tax write-off. And you know what? It's tax write-off for no matter who. Um, just appreciate it because uh, I'm sure Howard University does not care what her motivation was. They don't care that she's getting a tax write-off. They're not complaining that they didn't get $100 million because they are you putting that $400 million to good use to educate minorities in this country? Howard University is a very good school. And $40 million, especially now, um, with COVID, uh, colleges taking a big hit, that $40 million is coming in handy. So, uh, And I'm sure they appreciate it. And if they appreciate it, don't criticize. It's, it's petty, and it's, it's ill-advised, and the pointing should be pointed at somebody else. Pointed at somebody who doesn't give money or who doesn't give their fair share. And look, look at yourself in the mirror. If you don't, if you're not giving two percent of your net worth, then don't judge. And if you are, good for you. But not everybody does, and not everybody can. Um, now, have I? Probably not. I'm not going to give what my net worth is, but two uh, percent, uh, you know, uh, after taxes, that's uh, that's a good amount of money for me. Um, so, but I do give. Um, every year for, for Christmas time, Salvation Army's, uh, angel tree, I always purchase gifts and I don't go to the dollar store or buy the things on sale. I, I usually buy gifts that are as good or better than what I would buy my own kids. So, um, because I really try to give the, the underprivileged children. Uh, something really nice, not just a cheap toy uh, that you can get. So I may not give the most, um, but I definitely don't give the least. I give what I can. And uh, so not cool for those who criticize Mackenzie Scott at all. And with that, cool, not cool. Hey, I might do it again. I kind of liked it. Uh, With that, I will end this episode. And if you have any comments or topics you'd like uh, for me to discuss, please feel free to send an email to digging for something. That's digging number four something at AOL.com. And I want to thank you for listening to this episode of Digging for Something. I am JJ, and I will see you when I see you. <laughs>